There are heel turns, title changes, and six superstars go to hell in our review of Hell in a Cell. So, this pay-per-view is very bizarre, because if you split it up by brands, one brand would have had the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen, and one brand would have absolutely murdered it, would have absolutely killed it, and um, if you saw the show, you will know which brands that I'm referring to here, but let's get into the pre-show first. Because they, surprisingly, with only a five-match card, they only announced two new matches. One of which was R-Truth versus Drew Gulak. And this was, this was a match. In fact, I originally gave it a four out of five. But I, th- I think I kind of want to give it a three. Because the opener was very, very fun. It had Gulak seducing little Jimmy over to his side. Basically saying, hey, how are you doing, man? You having fun? And then punting him away. And that was great. Um, and then Joe screamed Stranger Danger, which popped me. But then the match was kind of basic. Like, it was strangely weird and technical for an R-Truth match. Like, I know Truth has it in him, but also I'm like, I kind of, when it started out with that fun little Jimmy segment, I said, hey, that needs to continue through the whole thing, but it didn't. Um, I I was kind of hoping, like, there was a John Cena moment, which was good. Then at one point, Truth had Gulak on his shoulders, like, for a uh, electric chair, and I genuinely was praying that he would have Lil Jimmy do a Tower of Doom spot, and I know WWE wouldn't go that far, but oh my god, that would be hilarious to see Gulak get fake clothes lined off Truth's shoulders. Um, but Truth ends up winning the match, then Gulak furiously runs towards the uh, the pre-show booth and screams, John Cena sucks, which was great. And yeah, it was a match that happened. They're bringing back the everyone chases after Truth thing, which is okay uh then the show began and the opening package was fucking phenomenal it kind of looked like an a24 horror movie in a way then they had a lot of pyro and then the show opened with the main event i know because i don't know what the fuck drew and randy did but it was nothing compared to this roman reigns versus jay uso part two and i was a little terrified of this one because A sequel can never be as good as the original. Except, yes, the fuck it is. And also, I love the fact that Jay's wearing all white, Roman's wearing all black. I love... Gear's important. A lot of people don't realize that, but gear is very important. It can set up differences in people really well. Like, if you looked at Kevin Steen and El Generico, you could immediately see why they are feuding. Um, This was just a fucking... This wasn't a match. This was like a, a cinematic, like, action scene, because there was so much great trash talk. Like, at one point, Jay looks down, and he goes, you ain't never quit shit, but you're about to quit today, which was great. And one of my favorite things about this match was how well the dichotomy between Roman and Jay is shown, because Jay got in a lot of offense. But nothing he did would ever feel as heavy as what Roman did. Like, even after hitting 
two Uso splashes in a row, it did not feel as heavy as like a single Superman punch. It was really, really fun. Um, at one point, finally, Jay has the upper hand. The uh, ref asks, do you quit? And he goes to the head of the table, never quits. Then it becomes a strap match for some fucking reason, but it was badass because uh, Jay found a strap, was whipping Roman with it. Then Roman just decides, you know what? Fuck it. Strap match. Puts it on both of their hands. They're battling. Then Jay turns it against him, starts choking him out, literally chokes out Roman. And then Roman eventually turns the tables, puts on the guillotine, chokes out Jay. And this is where shit gets real. Because Roman's getting genuinely emotional as he's looking down at Jay, who's not responsive, just going, come on, man, please quit. Please, please quit. And you could hear the sorrow in Roman for what he's being forced to do. And this was the moment I said, I don't know how this is going to end because he can't, he can't, like, Roman's definitely not going to quit. But Jay doesn't seem like he's going to have any quit in him as well. And my favorite part is near the end, commentary just shut the fuck up. They knew not to go anymore. Then, uh, and even Paul Heyman looked uncomfortable. It was great. Then finally, Roman takes the steel steps, puts them against Jay's head, and then does the drive-by, sending Jay's skull into the ring post, squashing it between the ring uh, between the ring steps and the post. Then finally, everybody comes out at once and just goes like, you can't. Like, the referee initially was going to try to call for the bell, shades of the uh, Rollins-Fiend match, and Roman grabs him and goes, you're not ending shit until he says I quit, until he admits that I'm the head of the table. And that was the real heel turn moment. Like his, But Roman... Roman's so good because you can tell Roman doesn't think what he's doing is wrong. Like, he looks down at Jay after he's done so much shit to him. He goes, you think I like this? You, 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 what do you think I'm gonna have to tell my children after this? It was so fucking good. And then finally, uh, everybody rushes out, tries to pry them away, but Roman says no, picks up the steel steps, is about to crush, crush Jay's head. Jimmy comes out, and Jimmy just stares at Roman and goes, This ain't wrestling anymore, man. Like, this is Josh. This is Josh right here in the middle of the ring. Look what you've done. And then Roman starts to cry, and not like, not like a uh, a Lana cry, for lack of a better, a legitimate cry as he just sits down and is just like, I'm so sorry, I hate what I've become, I can't believe I've done this. But he also realizes he has to be the head of the table, so he grabs Jimmy, locks him in the guillotine, tries to choke him out during that Jay finally awakens, and you can tell Jay's beat down, he can't do anything, so he quits. He quits to save his family, and that's what I like about this. It's the dichotomy of the two different approaches to family, where Roman thinks he has to do whatever it takes to protect his family. Jay is the person who legitimately protected family. It was really fucking good. I cried. It was emotional. Roman at the end looked actually legitimately demented. Oh, by the way, there was a great line from Roman I forgot to bring up where all of like the officials like Adam Pierce and everybody comes out and they're all checking on Jay. Meanwhile, Roman just walks over to the fucking steel cage door and he's like, might as well close this. Ain't nobody going nowhere now. <laughs> I was like, fuck. And then the biggest moment of the segment is Jimmy and Jay are in the ring together, and Roman walks up to join Afa and Sika, the former heads of the table. They give him a lay, and fuck, wrestling is very good. Wrestling is very, very fucking good.
So on to our next match, Elias versus Hardy, who already were in a tough position, but then just nothing, nothing. They barely, they, it was barely anything. Um, for some reason, they decide to keep riffing on Al, uh, Jeff Hardy's alcohol problems because that's the only character arc he has at this point. Uh, Elias does a little mini concert, which is what an Elias concert is supposed to be, not a Christian rock, like, fucking mega, mega church. Um, so then they go through the match. Commentaries talking about the fact that Elias, the reason Elias is angry is because he thinks Jeff got hit him with the car and the other two commentators are like that's ridiculous he's just trying to make his name off Jeff Hardy's back and I'm sitting here like no he has a legitimate quarrel with Jeff Hardy like I understand in all likelihood it was Seamus because they were like commentary was basically like it was fucking Seamus who did it but like yeah it was it was nothing man this really, it was rough. There were some really rough botches near the end that ter- took this down to a two out of five match. Um, he hits a twist of fate during a replay, which was ridiculous. He botches the whisper in the wind because he just, he takes a flat back bump and barely hits Elias. And then Jeff hits Elias with the guitar because Elias is about to, uh, basically Elias rolls out of the ring, is about to hit Jeff with the guitar. So Jeff grabs it and hits Elias instead. And gets DQ'd. Jeff fucking sucks. Like, Jeff had the match won. All he has to do is, like, a little bit more offense, swanton bomb, the match is over. But instead he said, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna hit this fool with a guitar. And I'm like, this isn't painting you in a good picture when a victim, which is kind of what Elias is, even if Elias is aiming his victimhood at the wrong person, like, when a fucking victim is, like... I can't believe I, I'm so sorry. Like, it's just so ridiculous, this storyline with me, man. Like, Seamus has to be brought in soon, right? We have to reveal Seamus soon or else this storyline is nothing. So uh, we get a promo from Otis ahead of his match against The Miz. And he's just, oh, yeah, like, that's it. And Otis's shtick has just gotten, it's just gotten so old, man. Like, I, I don't get it. I he's fun as a as a secondary or a background character. But once you get moved to the main event, you kind of need to like nut up or shut up, i.e. Orange Cassidy and AEW when they started putting him in big spot matches, guess what he did? He delivered. Otis is not delivered. So Otis has a new entrance. It's very fucking southern rock very rough and it was just otis looking real strong beating down the miz um but luckily morrison allows the miz to take control a little bit then hit the most vicious boot to the face i've ever fucking seen taking down otis who then gets his comeback morrison tries to hit uh, otis with the money in the bank briefcase referee notices tosses out morrison And then finally, Otis is about to get the victory when Tucker clocks him across the face, which it fuck. And and this might just be me. This might just be me and someone who's watched wrestling a long time. But we all knew this was going to happen, right? It's not like they were going to have two heavy machinery, big southern rock boys on two brands. Tucker needs something new, and a heel turn and going against Otis is exactly what you need for that. So Tucker beat to Tucker clocks Otis, Miz gets the pinfall. 
It was predictable, but all right, we're going to repackage Tucker with a new gimmick. I wouldn't mind seeing like an intellectual kind of gimmick, like a Southern intellectual. It'd be really fun, but who knows? It's raw. They'll probably fuck it up. So Miz now has the Money in the Bank briefcase. I'll be honest, I kind of was hoping he would cash in that night and fail. So that way, even though the heel technically won, he would get his comeuppance where everything that he's been saying about Otis, like he's not ready, he's not prepared, he's not able to do all of this, it would have immediately like backfired on him as he cashed in on uh, uh, whoever won the main event. Surprise, surprise. And then gotten taken out very quickly it would have been fun so we get a promo from miz and morrison post match and miz basically says hey it don't matter what champion you are i'm coming after you but then tucker comes out and explains basically why why he turned he was the workhorse he carried the load he was the one who told him otis to ask out mandy he did everything and otis took the spotlight which yeah that's how that works. Yeah, it's pretty easy to keep taking the spotlight away from a guy, and then that guy will only take it for so much. And then basically he says he can't function without me, which leads to Otis coming back and beating the shit out of everybody, but then Tucker escapes, which, fuck, why? Tucker's upset with Otis. That was the beginning of Tucker wanting to beat down Otis. Why run away? I don't know why WWE is just so cocksure on all of these cowardly heels lately that they can't just have a badass heel who wants to fight. And we will get into that later. So now we get Sasha Bailey. Fuck yeah. After Roman, after Roman J, I said, nothing's gonna beat this. And then Bailey and Sasha shut me up for the weeks of me being like, this segment's not that good. They said, fuck you, watch the match. And yes, yes, it was very good. Like, bank statement very early on. Once again, much like with Jay and Roman, we get the black and white gear signal, uh, signal, signaling the heel and the baby face. I loved Sasha in the beginning of this, which was basically taking Bailey's chair, a kendo stick, everything, and tossing it out of the cage, not letting Bailey have any advantage, which really, it worked really, really well for me. Uh, Bailey escapes the bank's, bank statement by biting her on the hand, which was a real, I don't know if they were trying to call back to the phrase, biting the hand that feeds you, but yeah, that was, that was really, really fun. So then they have a table in play, and they don't break, no, wait. Did they break the table? That's how much shit happened in this match that I can't remember if they break, broke the table, but they used it creatively. Like, Sasha used it as a ramp to hit a Meteora on Bailey, which, by the way, Sasha Banks, master of the fucking Meteora. She was killing it. So much fun fun offense in this, so much creativity. At one point, Bailey had a kendo stick draped between the ring steps and the and the cage itself, and Sasha literally snapped it in half as she fell through it. So, of course, after that, she's selling her neck for the entire match. It is absolutely brutal. Uh, I think she hit, she got hit with a sunset powerbomb into a chair that was locked up in the corner it was so fucking brutal and even then like like it wasn't absolutely perfect like there was a spot where bailey was trying to do something with like two kendo sticks and duct tape and i don't know what it was but i do appreciate the fact that they didn't try to go with go like go through with the spot because it clearly wouldn't work although it, and it did give us the best line of the match which was bailey couldn't get the duct tape undone and she looked at the referee and she goes i'm so sweaty can you do this for me in the middle of this brutal match it was fucking great i loved that 
So uh, then we get the fire extinguisher spot. Sasha gets back. Bailey finally gets her chair, brings it in the ring. Sasha steals it away, beats the hell out of Bailey with a kendo stick. And then I, I love this because this also showed some genuine emotion from Sasha realizing what she's had to do to her former best friend, the, the links she's had to go to. And so there's still a, a lot of fun back and forth, a lot of unique shit. Bailey spray painted Sasha for some reason, then uh, goes for a elbow drop with the elbow drop with the chair chair to Sasha who's on a ladder that's on some chairs Sasha gets out of the way hits a Bailey to belly onto it I thought she had it right there and then finally Bailey almost hits her with the steel chair is going for it but then Sasha reverses at the last minute wraps up or uh, wraps up Bailey in the chair for the bank statement and she's forced to tap and the historic reign of Bailey is over, and the reign of the boss has begun. Um, yeah, it was one of those things that if you had just told me, "Oh yeah, Sasha wins," I would have said, "Oh man," but 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 there's so much more story to tell. Don't just have her win what right away. Have her chase, and then I saw the match. Nah, fuck it. Yes, yes, she deserves it here. This was purely an ending this was an end of a rivalry although definitely bailey's going to be trying for something but it definitely felt like the end to this rivalry i will also say commentary was pissing me off they had some dumb lines tonight including uh michael cole was it Cole? Yeah, it was Michael Cole talking about the talking about how vicious this match was. He goes, "Well, they fought in NXT, but that that their Iron Man match they had that was competition, not hatred." And I'm like, "Michael, did you see what Sasha did to Izzy during the match? Because <laughs> she made an eight year old cry because of how much she hated Bailey." So okay, that's cool. So we get Hurt Business backstage in the pre-show. They announced that a member of Retribution will be taking on a member of the Hurt Business. And I thought that meant a member of Retribution's choosing and a member of the Hurt Business's choosing. No, apparently uh, Hurt Business just got to pick whoever the fuck they want, which is why we now have Slapjack versus Bobby Lashley for the U.S. Championship. And um, he taps out. Taps out to the hurt lock. I don't want to fucking talk about this match anymore. I really don't like it. And I've only talked about it for five seconds. But holy fuck, this match was terrible. It was a bunch of Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashleying, and then Slapjack coming back with some uh, offense, kind of. And then, I really, this was just to kind of show who Slapjack is as a character, which is just a crazy man in a hockey mask. And, uh, yeah, that happened. Then Retribution attacks, and fuck, Bobby Lashley takes out all of Retribution. Then the rest of the Hurt Business come down, and Ali plays the fucking cowardly heel again. No! I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this fucking cowardly heel shit from retribution you need to be dominators but you're not and it makes me so furious it hates me because like at first i did just didn't like the idea of it and then the debut happened and i still didn't like it but then they started to get twitter accounts and show character and show that they're fun and i've seen them in nxt i know they're great i know they can wrestle and so the, at that point, I said, you know what? I'm back on retribution side. And then WWE said, no, you're not. They're going to lose every week. So fuck that happened. Now on to Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. 
the main event, the thing that they said should take more precedent over Roman Reigns and Jay Uso, where if Jay lost, he'd be kicked out of the NOI family. This took precedent over that. So obviously it's going to be good. And I knew it was going to be good when Drew got came out first. You know how champions do come out first, but there's a reason. The reason is that that fucking Randy is dressed up in sweats and a hoodie and tries to sneak attack Drew. What the fuck has Randy become? Because this one small move made the rest of the match feel infinitely less important because you don't get the in the left corner randy horton no you get none of that you just kind of get what we've seen big boy punch fight that's all it's been it's just at one point i said i put up with so much shit from you two guys that you gotta make the last eight weeks uh worth it and they didn't it was the same shit that we've seen over and over and over again Starts with Drew beating the hell out of Orton. Then Orton reverses, beats the hell out of Drew. And during that, they kept doing close-ups on Drew's face in the corner where he's making ridiculous face. It was just, it was a self-aggrandizing match where there were so many pauses. There were so many taunts for no reason. After everything these two have been through, there needed to be more than this. So then Randy gets a basic table spot in the corner of the cage, and then you hear the This Is Awesome chant. But as someone who plays WWE 2K19 regularly, I can tell you it is the This Is Awesome chant from the game. So finally, Orton decides, I'm out. I'm leaving. So Orton breaks the cell open, snaps it open, and just walks outside. And it's just, it was so fucking slow. Like, there was, because, like, at least with Roman and Jay, the pauses had weight. They had emotion to them. You could, the, the pauses were there to represent something going on internally in the characters. And this match, the pauses were happening so Randy Orton could take off the fucking sweatpants he was wearing at ringside. Which, hey guys, probably not a good spot. If you have to then take off your pants in the middle of the match. So then finally they climb to the top of the cage, at which point I, I made a note to myself that it was unearned. Like if Bailey and Sasha or Jay and Ra- Roman went to the top, I would have said they earned this. They earned this high spot. This match did not fucking earn this high spot. They go to the top. Randy has a lightsaber for some reason. They keep saying it's a steel pipe, but motherfucker, it's a red beam with a a black holster or a black hilt. It's a fucking lightsaber. Goes to swing it at Drew's head and doesn't hit him with it. The lightsaber doesn't come back into play. And then they just start crawling down the other side away from the door of the cage. And they do my least favorite Hell in a Cell spot, which is, in fact, the... Well, I don't want to fall from the top of the cell. Why don't I fall from halfway down the cell? So they do that spot, and it sucks because they had a much cooler way they could have done it. Because at one point, Randy's trying to, like, claw Drew's hand off of the cage. And at that moment, like, his hands were perfectly placed for him to be able to hit a fucking RKO off the side of the hell in a cell which would have been brutal it would have been badass and also it would have 
taken them both out of commission. It would have both it would have hurt both of them. So then we wouldn't have to watch as Randy just drug the lifeless body of Drew McIntyre around the ring because they just don't have a fucking door on the other side, which you know they kind of should. So you don't have another massive pause. And then they go into the ring. And then Drew is on all fours. And I say, oh, okay. Punt. And it's over. No, Randy sets up for a fucking RKO. And this rivalry based around Randy Orton punting Drew McIntyre, breaking Drew McIntyre's jaw with a punt, taking out legends with the punt. He goes for the RKO. And it's just so Drew McIntyre, a man who commentary is saying has internal bleeding and his blood dripping from his mouth and is beat to shit can just hit a fucking full sprint across the ring, hit the claymore. Randy rolls to the outside and fuck it. Just fuck it. Goes back in the ring, goes for another claymore. Randy ducks. RKO, pinfall, one, two, three. He ends it off a single RKO. Not the spot on the outside, not a punt, not anything relevant to the storyline, just a fucking RKO. The only one he hit in the whole match as well. So, yeah, fuck this. Like, part of me was like, maybe The Fiend shows up. Bray loves interrupting Hell in a Cell matches. No, fuck that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, yeah. Uh, one out of five for this one. One out of five for Slapjack versus Bobby Lashley. Show really uh, petered out there at near the end. Uh, so overall, they are very lucky and they should feel very blessed that SmackDown exists because the two matches SmackDown gave us, Roman J, Bailey, Sasha, were fucking phenomenal. The ones that Raw gave us, ignoring the pre-show, had an average of one and a half stars. So. God, I just, I, I just remembered I have to watch Raw tomorrow. Shit. All right. Well, there's my fucking review. Fuck this dumb show. <laughs> that sucks because like there were two phenomenal five star matches, <laughs> but fuck this show. They ruined it. But do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Make sure to donate to our Patreon to get tons of exclusive goodies and access to our Discord where you can hang out and watch wrestling with us live. And you can donate at patreon.com slash a load of BS. And remember to join me tomorrow where I have to talk about fucking Monday Night Raw. And follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show. Because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life. 